Imagine having all, guess all, of your learning challenges solved. With the Tables Learning Suite, an AI-powered LMS built for enterprise, you can tackle any challenge. You can easily create and manage content, deliver training, and measure the business impact of your programs. Dechebo is built for customers, partners, and employees alike, with dozens of integrations to embed directly in the flow of work. Check out Dechebo today at docebo.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to C-Lab. Once again, this is the Customer Education Laboratory, and this episode's going to be great. We always explore how to build customer education programs, experiment, again, lab theme, with tools, new approaches, and we exterminate the myths and the bad advice that stop growth dead in its tracks. And today, I'm going to get into the intro in a little bit and talk, talk more, but today's really exciting because today is more of a, a personal, we're going to step aside and really talk about the human side, you know, what is AI and how is this coming out? I've been to all these conferences lately. I'm hearing all these things. So I wanted to introduce our new friend, Saurabh Bajaj, right? Close enough. Saurabh, can you, <laughs> you correct me and like, tell me a little bit about yourself, Saurabh. I want, I want to know what, what you're doing. We've met recently. We started talking about AI. Give us a little bit of background on you. Yeah. So I'm Saurabh. Thanks for having me. I am currently the co-founder of Uplimit and I lead engineering there. Before that, in past life, I was like an AI researcher at Google, primarily working on infrastructure that runs behind all these like large language models like ChatGPT. And prior to that, I was an early engineer at Coursera. So I've been on the peripheries of education throughout my career, but kind of this like mashup of AI and education together. Okay. And this is why I'm excited to talk to you. We're not going to talk about products this this time as much as we're going to talk about what's what's really the sausage making. How we, how is this emergence of artificial intelligence and these words that we keep hearing every day on TV in the cloud, whatever? You know, okay. How I, before we get going, before we get going, let's take a fun step aside. Let's talk about the International Day of because that's always how. We have fun here. Oops, I gotta get my right page up and I will share the screen. Da -da -da. Welcome to National Corned Beef Hash Day. Okay, I don't know about that. <laughs> it makes me hungry because I haven't eaten yet. Any thoughts? I, don't know. I approve of the chocolate milk. One of our like the chocolate milk one. Okay. Yeah, I think that? I might be selling myself as a tiny kid, but it's like <laughs> one of our company values has been like eat chocolate cake, which is kind of like in some spirit of like have fun. So I'll go with this one. I love it. Okay. Well, we have a little fun. So let, let's frame this up. Let's really get into the meat of the discussion that I know I want to have. And, and frankly, Saurabh, I need your help. We hear a lot about AI. And I like to say this, we've had this generative noise. You know, it's <laughs> it, like AI is actually emerging itself. And more, more we use it, the more things we see, it's... It, it, the whole of a media cloud, all the stuff around it, it's deafening. And, and you probably, I mean, we don't know how much of the material we're seeing out in the world is emerging out of this te technology too, right? So I was at an event last, last week that left, I left there and I had conversations late at night and my mind was a buzz. 
again, I'm, I'm trying to bring this down to the personal felt experience of immediate reality of customer education, leaders and practitioners that are all over the world. And we're all going, what the actual heck is happening? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to have to learn a whole bunch of new stuff that's going to be really super hard, like calculus? Do I have to be a secure scientist? Huh? And I'm speaking for myself. So again, I'm trying to get to the heartfelt. I'm conf you know, I think I'm a smart guy, but still I'm confused. I'm a little mm -hmm. scared. I'm a little frustrated. And I can't escape everywhere. Nice. I go. Hey, yeah. Dave, you know, you do this podcast on customer ed. What is AI coming? And people are, and have actually been on the other side of that. So when I know. So let's have a conversation. Well, I'm looking for us to take away from, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to go back. I, I really am I'm, I'm intrigued in your background. I mean, you're at Google, right? <laughs> um, Chris Harrow, you're all these places. You're working at, at, at machine language and AI. You've made the sausage, Saurabh. Tell us, let's get into the conversation and tell us about what's really happening. What should we be thinking about? What are the terms? How does an educator... Why, why should we care? So is that is that a good way to start it start it out? Yes. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So I think like let's take a step back. It's like yeah. often like it might seem like, hey, if AI is this like 2022 thing, but in some sense it's like a 1980s thing, where the first uses of AI we saw was the post office using it to detect your handwriting. Wait, 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 wait. 1980? Yes. No. Yes. So the first examples of AI, the post office using your like handwritten zip code and figuring out what zip code's written on the mail so that they could bucket faster. Right. And that's like AI. Every day you use like touch ID, face ID on your phone. You walk into a Starbucks. How many croissants do they put on the shelf? Really important question if you're like Starbucks. So that's all like AI or machine learned. When the inherent principle is like what we used to call traditional AI was you had a bunch of data and you wanted to generalize from the data. So you are like two problems you would try to solve is like, is this the same face? Should I unlock the phone or not? Or is this like you were trying to predict the price of something? So it could be how many croissants do I put on the shelf at the specific store? How much will my Uber cost? That's all like machine learning. And what was true was the universe of like, what was the potential out outcome was known. So an Uber can cost between $0 and say $1,000. Nobody's taking a $1,000 Uber. No, no, I've not. seen some of them. They, they do happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, or croissants on at Starbucks, like the inventory is like known. Or which face is this, the same face or not. What we call generative AI is kind of like there was this seminal paper in 2018 called Transformers that came out of Google, which was like key innovation in the sense of we were first time able to build a model that generalized across tasks. So the same model could write a tweet, the same model could write an email, the same model could like answer a question. Yeah. And then like evolutions of that model have become like ChatGPT, Google's Bard, like a bunch of other like like new AI tools you see or image generation, for example. And what inherently is common about them, which is unique, what we call generative AI, is they are able to output something that they were not exposed to in the past. So 
before originally we, the model could only do things that they had already been exposed to right like the post office knew all the zip codes right now they could write like a letter that they were like never trained to write specifically and how underlying the system works is the model is trained on given a sentence what's the most likely next word so in some sense it's like an autocomplete model which is hi how are you then the most likely next thing is a question mark mm-hmm. on the internet right and most likely human answer is like i'm fine thank you for asking like people just have muscle memory in saying that and that's like proliferated on the internet and the model basically learns how to like basically take a chunk of sentences and predict what is the most likely average of all the things it's seen on the internet what's the most likely next thing okay and that's what gpt is doing so gpt is basically like trying to kind of predict the next few words it is just there's so much data on the internet and now we can build there is so much like computing capacity because of cloud data centers everything with the combination of lots of data lots of compute makes it possible that it can do like really complex like prediction of like what the next token like or tech token or word is likely to be and that's why you see this like accelerated improvement versus like the underlying theme is still like the core premise is still like much simpler okay i want i want to hit on a couple pull on a couple threads here sorry yeah. now i'm still back in 1980 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because I found I, I mean I think that's that landed with me only because you said no I, I, I okay let's bring this into our our world of customer education customer education is a methodology methodology a practice a discipline process of emerging it's really aligned with AI It, it's been around for 40 years or more 50 years the the thinking around it and it was more marketing and other things but now I'm back at the post office and oh, I I always thought there was this scanner this thing that could do that but I never really could get the I don't know I forget about it by the time I went to go to the library to research it but that's a thing right so yeah, yeah. I've been with us for a while but yeah. now what you're saying is okay I've got to put in context I am a scientist I also have a master's degree My background is in computational chemistry and molecular modeling. Lots of big words, but it basically mean meant that what I did in my job way back in what was it 2000 2002 I was working at a company called Tripos and Tripos was this company that basically was computer assisted design for chemistry. Mm-hmm. We and so what my, my job was crazy. I would get this big massive molecules like estrogen right the things that do other things in the human body and it's really important and what we would do is i would go okay my actually my my thesis was on this is I'm getting really nerdy but it was on how do i take these drugs that i know that work to to help ca- fight cancer mm-hmm. put them in and build basically what we but you're saying is a large language model i know what all of these things look like and i know how they react with the human body. So that means how well does the drug activate mm-hmm. receptor and what all these technical things. Anyway, what I would do is I'd load all this up. This was amazingly complex work. 
that lots of math, lots of stuff, lots of sitting around. I had a Silicon graphics workstation on my computer, yeah. my desk. I mean, how awesome was that? And then at the end of it, it was like magic, Sarah. I would have these chemicals that would appear on the screen. And sit there looking at him like, I could make that. I could, I could totally make that. And then, then we would go and do that, test it. And this is changing the world because in that case, we called it, I mean, it wasn't AI because the computer did not do that. My brain did that. It showed me some math and I would have to interpret it. So now are we saying we've got the facility, we've got the processing power. You know, the processing power of my desktop then in this SDI was powerful. And now we've got the cloud with petaflops. Mm-hmm. We've got data stored. We've got, we've, Google's been going for what, decades? 25 as of yesterday. So basically this emergence of like, we've got the data, we've got the time, we've got the processing power, we've got the speed, we've got optic, like quantum computing now, we can do parallel universe stuff. Okay, so bring me home. Now here we are in 2023. And this explosion of AI is now scaring the heck out of us because we've got chat GPT on my desktop. Like, oh, I can do things. I can tell it stuff. Wow. This is groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. So that's where we're at now. But now let's pull it forward. Like, why is this all very, so very different in like, okay, let's go back a step. There's terms that I don't get. <laughs> Large language model. What is that really? Is that a database? No, it's just like, in some sense, it's just like a type of model. So you could think of it as like, it's like, it's the same black box that takes a bunch of text in and spits a bunch of text out. And the thing it outputs is like, like the thing it's output is like a sequence of bytes or like ones and zeros in the computer landscape. So the ones and zeros could form an image. The ones and zeros could form an image video. The ones and zeros could form text. So what it's doing is like text in, something out. And the text can be like video in, image in. So it's basically something that goes in, which is your prompt, mm-hmm. and something that comes out, which is the output from the model. Yeah. And I think the question you were asking, which is like, it's just like compared to what you had like in 2002 on your desktop, we're just in like, tens of thousands of magnitude better. So like they're probably 100,000 times more capacity in the cloud than like right. what you had on your desktop. And that's the big shift, right? And think about like how much training data we have created on the internet, like how much text is there? How many videos of like, I think there's like a year's worth of video uploaded every second on YouTube. So like no human can watch it, but there's just like more and more data that you can like build these models from. It, I mean, it's staggering. I, I, I'm thinking about some of the literature and things that I've read, read, read over the years. Tilhard to Chardin talked about this, this, this emergence of this global mind and stuff like this. It's all here, but now it's... Yeah. So we've got, okay, a large language model is, is like all the inputs, all the outputs, the things in the space so that now I can introspect that. Yeah. The computer can tell me things and predict. Mm-hmm. What's okay? So now I'm, I'm again. I'm, I'm trying to redefine things and make sure very clear that all of us get this. Artificial intelligence, the word itself, is is evocative of, of emotion. Like how is this a computer? Like how is a computer going to be a human mind? But, I think one way to think about that is like 
in some sense, think of artificial intelligence as something where the human machine can make decisions, right? It's not making any arbitrary decision, but it's making decisions that are like slightly more nuanced. So like when you use Face ID, it is the like your phone is making a decision is like, should I unlock or not? Yes. And that's an important security decision, right? Yes. And it's like when you, and some of these decisions are kind of hard rules, like, hey, this password doesn't match somebody's password. So don't let them log in. Versus some of these decisions are like, hey, I just had sunglasses on, still turn my phone on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, I think like, so in some sense, artificial intelligence is just like a stream of like computer science. Like we kind of have bent back and forth between AI and machine learning, just based on like kind of like every decade we flip to the other one because somebody wants to say, I'm doing the new thing, not the old thing. So like when AI was like more common term, people were like, hey, I'm not like those people like I'm doing the new thing. So I'm going to call myself machine learning. And then like people worked on machine learning for 15 years. So people are like, no, no, we don't want to call us that. <laughs> uh, and then okay. AI is like kind of more common in like sci-fi. So the reason you feel the emotion of like, hey, are the machines becoming like iRobot the movie is because like the sci-fi world of like novels and movies has like used that terminology. So like your the visual that comes in your mind is like driven from like Isaac Asimov pretty much. <laughs> Perfectly, yeah. Wow. Okay. So then we need to change our own mental model towards this. It's it's stuck. It's in our in, in our imaginations. We're still going to be scared about it because I'll tell you a story later that that I heard. I'm like, oh, 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 wow. Okay. That's unexpected. There are unexpected outputs of things. And didn't I hear recently that we finally saw something pass the Turing test? No, so Turing test, like you can pass Turing tests in like different programming languages and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I don't think that's like the right Not thing. A cause for concern. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the thing to think about is like, Suddenly, what we're seeing is the machines can do human level performance on a lot of tasks really quickly. So if you think about like code generation, like as an example, as a software developer, a lot of code can be written like very quickly or like audio generation, like people can create like really good audio just with like system inputs. The other would be like an example of like reading comprehension, which is given a paragraph, can I answer a question from that or passing the SAT? or passing the LSATs. But those are things where like the machines have started getting like human level performance. Like that doesn't mean that like they're performing at like the best human possible, right? Like they're doing reasonably what you're like an average human would do, but they're just doing it faster, better, with less error. So what I think it has implications on a lot of things, which is like jobs, how does like, nature of like what tasks we take on in customer education, a lot of things will like shape because of that. This episode is brought to you by TechSmith. That's right, TechSmith. You know them from Snagit and Camtasia. Snagit lets you create images, GIFs, and videos to show others exactly what you see. And Camtasia is the famous screen recording and video editing software made easy. 
Yeah, I love it, Adam. You know, I have to say my story here is that Camtasia kind of saved my soul. When I was working, trying to build my first program, I discovered Camtasia and other TechSmith products, and I needed something that was relatively inexpensive, easy to use, and powerful. Overnight, I went from doing tedious editing, recording, and just whatever I had available to me alone with little coaching, being able to make really super high quality videos in a short amount of time. That sounds amazing. And so if you want to create and share images and videos for better training, tutorials, lessons, and everyday communication, you can do that at techsmith.com. That's techsmith.com. Okay, let me pause you for just a moment because that reminds me of one of the big themes that we're seeing economically right now that, gosh, I cannot remember. I think it might've been NPR where I heard this from. But I, I was looking, well, definitely TikTok, spent too much time there. But I was looking at a chart and an economist was talking about, hey, you know, we have, we have more jobs than we have people. Mm -hmm. And folks are like, well, okay, well, that's really interesting. And, it, and you know, low unemployment, high job availability. And now we've got AI in there too. We've got AI in there too. We still have jobs to be done. And I think the thing that we were talking about is this, this opportunity for us to close the gap because there's a lot of jobs to be done that we don't want to do. Yes. I don't like to fill in timesheets and that should be AI. I don't like to do a lot of busy work because I'm learning ADHD. So that's, there's no dopamine there. <laughs> I just can't do it. Computer, would you go do these things for me? Yes, thank you. Can you give me more? That's why where I'm starting to feel more warm because when I can have an agent for me to say, hey, go out and get all this stuff and did blah, 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 and you know, prompt engineering stuff. I did this the other day. I actually did this with, I wanted to lay out a course. And I went to chat GPT and I pointed it to a direction. When it came back was a good start. Right. Like, oh, yeah, that's that. And I didn't have that white piece of paper in front of me where I'm like, I got to fill this in with my brain. My brain's not happy about it. The computer is perfectly happy to do that for me. And now my brain goes to the creative. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the right spirit to think about it. Like, it's not that jobs are changing for the first time, right? Like, the first time spreadsheets or computers came out, there, like, there was real opposition from the government adopting computers, right? Like that was like a real thing. And because people were like, hey, I spent a ton of time doing accounting on paper and like, I don't want to do it in Excel. <laughs> and <laughs> so the nature of jobs throughout history has been that they have evolved, right? Like you had like people who were copying books with like pen and paper, and then you had the printing press and then like computers came out and a ton of things moved to being cloud first, computer first, rather than being like things like that. Or like even like, so we've had technological shifts before and inherently what they have pushed us towards as society is like you kind of adapt the nature of work rather than the job itself, which is now you like in the example you gave, you are more of an editorial in a more of an editor role rather than in like the like writer role 
or you move more towards like an orchestrator of the system rather than like inherently doing every task. But you are still responsible for judging what is good. You are still responsible for judging what meets the bar, like how, what like direction do you want to choose? What, like, does it align with the strategy that you have in mind or not? Or does it align with the company strategy? And then there's this weird phenomenon, right? Which is like, if everybody's writing converges to what ChatGPT writes, mm-hmm. then people will inherently move to good writing is something that feels fresh and unique. <laughs> like, there's just good like... writing, Grammarly. Yeah. 2.0, right. Yeah, so <laughs> in some sense, like what feels fresh, unique, and pleasant to read has impl- is decided by both the writer plus what the readers are exposed to. <laughs> so I think we like have to constantly evolve and adapt in our ways, yeah. which means like, yeah, will we have to evolve? Yes. Like everybody has had to evolve. Like one of Josh Burson is like thought leader in education has this example of like, hey, there were people collecting toll at toll booths on highways. And then like fast track and all these companies came out where tolls automatically deducted. And yes, there were some jobs lost, but then people adapted into like doing other work and other opportunities came from that system. So I think you'll see like similar changes here. I personally believe it's like actually like more exciting in the sense that like there's just more opportunity to be creative. There's lower entry barriers for anybody to get started on like being an artist, being a music developer, using being a video creator. So maybe we just see an explosion of like creativity. Yeah. Okay. I want to pop follow that thread, but one more. One more more tactical thing that I think we need to do is talk about automation. And it, it you know, we automation has been and continues to be a really big topic in our industry, particularly software as a service, because again, what we're doing is we're taking these tools and, and I love the idea of that, like the orchestration. That word comes up a lot in the, the platforms and the tools and the technologies that that we all talk about. It's now I'm, you know, I, okay, I'm a, I'm a musician. I spent many, many years in, the, in bands and, and music. The, the, the director, the conductor, the, the, the leader of the orchestra is very important for reasons that creative license because anybody, could, well, we could all get in, the, in a room and play a song together. But that person is conducting timing and holding back and emotion and depth and throws an eraser at Dave who wasn't paying attention in class and I get hit. I'm like, oh, I got to play my saxophone again. You know, it's, that is the most human part of everything. Then if we can automate away all the little crap, like, you know, whatever, whatever it is we have to do, the stuff that is mundane, trivial, yet deeply important to the process of orchestration. Like, you know, I'm thinking about Zapier and if this, then that, and all the things. He's used to work at a company called Zuqua where I felt, this, and this was funny, but I wanted to bring the story up. I, at one point, I had this moment where I realized I was stringing up cards and saying, if this happens, then do this. If this happens, then do this. And if this happens, then go research this, find this out, come back and do this other thing. And I had this moment where 
I'm teaching the computers how to connect to all the systems and get all the information. And oh my gosh, what happens if AI comes in here? And now we are, now we're here. So one, that's like, I think the start of everything that we want to build, right? Which is like, what information does the system need to consider at any point? And what decisions is it making from that information? Like, we are very much in control of that, which is like, hey, I want you to like, say, look up every person who has like signed up for sales training, but not finished like week two. Like, and then it can make a decision on like, hey, what like message to send to like a specific person. Like, one, you are still the orchestrator of like key points you want to get delivered, but the system might personalize to like exact specific like message that is delivered to each individual. So like, one example from like Upplimit Land, which is like, would be like, we know nudges are very important in education. Like nudging people, building habit, building motivation is like very, very important. And they don't feel powerful if you know they're like bulk sent, right? Like right. you're like archive <laughs> immediately versus like if it took into account like everything you like, the current conversation, your context around in the class, what have you like done so far, what you ha have to do next, it could, and it like personalized generating that email or like a message, that would be like much more effective in like being powerful. You know, that actually is, it reminds me of, uh, of my friend Courtney Semler, who was talking about that very thing, that personalization, that I, I and I think and Courtney, if you're listening, you can correct me later in the comments. But the the she had one slide that said personalized to personal. Yes. And I go, what, the, what is that the same? That's the same. Oh. And she got to talking about it. And and it's more of this thing where well, I can personalize because I can global search and replace and form fill and do all that stuff we've been doing, going back to the spreadsheet stuff. You know, you do all this stuff in Microsoft back in the day. But now what we're talking about is, okay, let's go into some other experiences that I've had where I worked in sales engagement and working with SDRs to tune their approach to an individual who is a person. It's not personalization. It's being, it's, it's you know, personal. I care about you. As a prospective customer, I care about the problem you're experiencing. And now I can actually do A-B testing and tweaks and all that kind of stuff, AI-driven, in the messaging that I'm getting. But then I can go, oh, wait, let me add that word. Let me add that word. Now go out, okay? So it's you're in the flow of work. AI is a coach, a tool, helping us to really get to the heart of the person's problem and help them, right? That's a human thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's like... With every technology, right, like there is newer opportunities. And like I think personalizing to every learner is like a newer like option available, which is like, hey, what hints can I give you? Like uh -huh. so like if in learning, like there's this I am stuck moment, which is very powerful. Like in general, you learn the most when you are stuck and you figure it out. But there, like two things happen, which is generally there's a ton of lag between when you are stuck. And when you get an answer or someone replies on some forum or the other thing that happens is it's not like completely taking into account everything that has happened to you in the past. 
right? Like it's like a generic answer. Actualizing the experience. Yeah. So, but like you could like as a programmer, an example would be like, hey, I'm debugging something. Give me a hint that is specific to what I am doing when and like use that as the lever rather than saying like, like, or like, yeah, you just like post in the forum and like two days later, someone would reply and things like that. So I think like, how do you lean into this I am stuck movement? Like a better version of that would be like, you didn't even have to ask. Like, could we make it more proactive where, hey, you have been here for like 15 minutes banging your head, right? Like the last three attempts you made. Here's a ticket. Here's the hint. <laughs> or like, here's the hint, right? Here's the hint to unblock you. And I think that would be like pretty like game changing in how we think about like learning or customer education as well. Okay. This was a perfect segment seg into that. And I had but one more, one more story that came up that I was I was thinking about. And I'm sure you've done this, and I, I would hope people in our audience have done this. Going back in time when I was at the company Tripos, I worked a lot with our UX people. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things to do, even, even before I worked at this company, I, I participated in these because I was a scientist, I was a chemist using this kind of software. And we had paper prototyping. Mm-hmm. So fun because you got a piece, you got, you got a person and they're moving little pieces of cards around on the screen and doing all, and it's a screen, is a piece of paper in front of you. And you're trying to touch something with a pen, very low tech. But we had this, when you're talking about the struggle, now we're getting into learning and education for B2B and B2C SaaS, software as a service platforms. The inherent challenge of which is we're human beings. We get frustrated. We get stuck. The most important moment to me in that whole experience is I really want to get an outcome. Yes. And now I'm mad. And I, I build yeah. them. And I mean, there's, we're human, we're the emotions, the feelings, all this stuff is really important. But what's inside all of this in me is, a, is an engine, like, a, like connecting dots and doing things the computer can never do. That creative spark and spirit that's trying to achieve something that's beyond. And yeah. I remember the meta help. There's this thing called meta help or super help. And I'm finally like, I need help. And then somebody come in from another room because they've been videoing all my experiences and stuff. And they're like, click there. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's such a dumb thing, but that's... No, what- it's also like, as customer education, your goal is to like make the product shine, right? Like the person experiencing your product and like if they're frustrated in the training itself, they're like inherently building a bias against the product itself, which is like, hey, it was too hard to use or something. So I think like the more better we can like create this learner user journey, the better it is for like longer term outcome for the success of the product itself as well, right? Like it's like higher engagement, higher retention for from the end user. Yeah, and that's why all of the companies that we work with, every single one of them, if they're not doing AI, you know, every platform is thinking about AI. So yes. let's do this. Let's do this, Sarab. Let's pivot now. I think you've done an exceptional job really talking about the definition of the space. We're humanizing the space. We're really getting at the problem. You know, I worry all the time. We we as individuals and practitioners need to learn about this. Spend mm-hmm. the time. I'll ask you at the end about some resources that you find. But let's talk about education now. Now we're in customer education. Customer education to me, again, my audience is like, oh, he's going to say it again. 
Customer education really is about what my co-host would say is affecting outcomes, helping change behaviors mm-hmm. in an individual because that behavior is now I'm using this piece of software or I'm using this part of a software. The behavior is I didn't use it. Now I'm going to use it and I'm going to get an outcome that's part of my job. Yes. New form of, of uh, I mean, this has always been there, but but we're so facile in our ability to provide tooling to affect the learning better. And that's where we get into like, okay, now how is AI intersecting in this market? That's what everybody wants to know, that everybody's freaking out about it. Like, and then, now we go back to, I'm going to lose my job. What do we need to learn? How do we don't? How, okay, let's talk about why this matters for us. And I think you have a few points that you you came up with in pre. Where do you so want to so like, think about like the journey of customer education in some sense. There's like pieces around creating content, which is like one of the hardest things is like, how do you create content faster? As soon as like, how do you update content faster? As soon as the product changes. And so these are like pieces where like there's tons of AI opportunity, right? Like, can I, can like the system observe like, product updates or like, can I point it to like a couple of webinars that we did at a conference and use that to generate like health talks or create like educational material. And there it's like kind of close to the example you were giving earlier, which is like, how do I like become an editor rather than creating like content? And we, almost every company we have interacted with has a giant content backlog that they have to get through and it's like hard to update. And so I think, so there's that piece. Then there's the piece around like content delivery, which is mm-hmm. like, there's basically- How do I get yeah, it out? Yeah, so there are like three kind of like realms we operate in, right? There is like asynchronous courses, which is let's post something there. And that's like any asynchronous content. But there you have no visibility into the user. So you still want all these systems to help like make sure this user isn't getting stuck or the like learner that is coming to the platform is getting like help when they need it, is getting like you get visibility into what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, where they're like, how do you incorporate that? Then there's like instructor-led training that is like very human, but very, very cost prohibitive in some sense, because yeah. um it's like you're flying someone somewhere or you're doing, even if you're doing it on Zoom, there's like kind of this balance of like automation that is needed, which is are the calendar invite sent, is the Zoom invite sent, it's like, am I getting collecting feedback, blah, blah, blah. And there's also tons of opportunity for AI around the right, how we were talking about personalized messaging, how we were talking about engagement and like, do people want to sit in an eight-hour Zoom versus should you spread it out across weeks? And nobody spread it out across weeks historically because it was too hard to do. <laughs> and it was too manual. And then there's like, we're like starting to experiment with these like virtual experiences where like it's Zoom, like, but you are getting a flood of questions in Q&A. Can the AI answer like half the ones that you've already answered? oftentimes like questions repeat themselves, right? Like people ask similar questions and like one, the seventh grade class in math in school will ask the same questions to the teacher every year. Like there's like 
5% unique questions and 95% repeat questions, but that knowledge capture is kind of lost every year. And it's important because the teacher builds a connection with the human, like student to answer by answering those questions. But there's also a lot of repeat work that could be saved that I think is like an opportunity. So I think it's like, that's how I think about it, which is like almost in every facet of how we think about like, then there is like, now you did the delivery and go to market and you collected feedback. How does that influence the creation based on the feedback you collected? Like is the like content you created kind of like a living organism that is evolving constantly mm-hmm. or is it like a one and done? So I think it's like, the tighter we build feedback loops, the better products get in general and customer education is inherently a product. This episode is brought to you by Vidiate. Vidiate automates the creation of software videos, making it super fast and easy to produce up-to-date content with every new release. From script to screen with no in-between, you're able to skip all the manual labor of production by simply plugging in a script to the platform and then watching that video come to life in real time. Check it out today at video.io. Oh my gosh, you, you have triggered me in good ways. I'm thinking now, I'm really trying to bring up a graph because what, what this is evoking in my mind is all of the, the experiences that I've had as a customer education practitioner leader. Think about, let me contextualize it a little bit more. So I've worked at Outreach, I've worked at Azuqua, I've worked at Gainsight, now I work at Service Rocket. Every And now in Service Rocket, I'm talking to many, many, many more people who are having the problems that I did at those former companies. What I'm looking, basically think about me as an AI, you know, or I built my own large language model that's stuck in my brain and it's experiential. You're more powerful than ChatGPT, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but so so kind of like what we're doing with C-Lab is intentionally reaching out to folks like you who are subject to main experts that understand education and the problems. And you've been around the space, this edge of it, like, okay, now we're computationally addressing it. And now we're thinking about, okay, okay, this is freaking calculus, man. This is the area under the curve. There's all these points of interaction. And if... And all of them build up to the experience. All of them drive what I think is more the the outstanding problem underlying all of software as a service is it's a race condition between, you know, salvation and apocalypse where the customer has to do a job. They do the job and and they're, they're praised or they don't do a job and it's disaster. And the moment we have as human beings is to, and this is my, my fun, you know, like, I'm going to give you a hug, Saurabh. I'm here to help. Go to all these other things. I've built a system all around me, but but when you get me, I am not distracted. I'm focused on the human side of the problem. I'm a coach. I'm trying to imbue that coach and build a model so that an AI can take my role as a coach, even using my voice and maybe my avatar. Now it's not me, but it is me. And and we're solving problems. Like I think the the one that you had, had noted is, this is really scale. We're we're unlocking scale in an, an extraordinary new way. What do you call it? The two, the, tell me about the Bloom's two sigma problem you noted. Because yeah, so I think a lot of you are familiar with like Bloom's taxonomy. Absolutely. It's like so the same person had this other study called the Bloom's two sigma problem, which was like observing student outcomes and if everybody got a personalized tutor compared to like a one size fits all classroom. Yes. 
you saw two standard deviations of improvement in like test scores and like outcomes. So now if we apply that back into like customer education is if we could coach every user that comes to our platform in like an extremely like personalized manner, then the likelihood of like having higher engagement, success with the product, success of the customers like in their goals is much, much better. Like that's the kind of like the analogy I would draw. And I think it's like, so how do you preserve like, let AI take care of like a lot of the automation and like underlying pieces and like you use the human to build like connection, build rapport, do empathy. I think that like unlocks this opportunity for us to provide like experiences we just inherently could not imagine because of like the cost prohibitive nature of like giving everybody a personalized tutor was too expensive. <laughs> yes. Okay. Can can I riff a little bit on that? Mm -hmm. Talk about things that I'm seeing. Yes. Because I, and again, I think the role I play in this community is I thank you for being on the show. Like we talk about these experiences. We think every time we learn about, oh, well, that's new or this is interesting. We're bringing it all together. One of the things, okay. To, be, to give you background on, on my experience again, I've had two really interesting formative experiences in education, more than that, but two ones that have broke my brain. The first one is I went to work with Gainsight and mm -hmm. I learned everything about customer success. Yeah. The, the emergence of that is what we're doing here with AI is really tied into that, I think, because customer success is about the customer's experience and the journey, getting to outcomes, and getting the expected, you know, the expected outcomes and desired results of mm -hmm. using your software. When it comes down to everything, you can talk about enablement, L&D, all this stuff. The most, single most important thing is the customer is unblocked and able to do something. And, exactly. and not just that, they now understand the substrate, the whole platform that you own. And they could go, oh, oh, I connected that. And now they're a maestro. Mm -hmm. Right, they're conducting their own orchestra with their own data and their own platform, and using your product better than you would ever be able to tell them. Yeah, hundred percent. It's it's amazing. So, okay, now go forward a little bit. One of the other formative experiences I had, and this one was in sales. Now, okay, now I'm I'm working in outreach, and I wanted to tell you one experience that absolutely blew my mind. Absolutely, like when I saw this product, I go, "Oh, you're not going to pull off AI? That's a no way." No, I can't have. Okay, they did it, right? And this is one of many different vendors that are doing. Frankly, these aren't these are sophisticated, but they're not that big. What they had at the time at Outreach was called Kaya. Mm -hmm. and Kaya was an AI agent in app, real time. Think about here we are in Zoom, right, Saurabh? And imagine Zoom is embedded in in, in another experience and in the in, in the the web interface, cloud interface, and the DOM. Yeah. You know, I can insert and inject and do other things to my heart content because we've got all these this capability. Yeah. But what Kaya would do, now imagine, okay, I am pretending that I am an, a sales development rep. Okay. Who am yeah. I? Largely people early career, pretty smart, darn motivated. But now I'm imagine I'm sitting in front of you. Sorry, I'm going to save my product. And it's blah, 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 blah. And then you say to me, 
objection, Your Honor. <laughs> you know, those sales objections. I was just being goofy. But you say, oh, I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't really like that. What, it, what about your blah, 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 blah. Okay. So what you're doing is you're challenging me as someone that may not know the product very well. This is learn. This is education. This is how education pervades every facet of our company. And now we're now that SDR is impoverished by an information of what the platform can do. Not because they, I mean, maybe not been there long, right? Or maybe their enablement didn't do go well or whatever. So they go scrambling around your desk, you're looking for the pricing index, the battle cards or whatever. But Kaya would pop that up in the screen. Mm-hmm. Competitive landscape here, are the vendors that we're, we're already working against, here's their pricing points. Here's what we know. Save this, lead with, oh my God, now I didn't, I, I get a coach. And after the call, I might go, oh yeah, I need to do a little bit more research, but I have enough agency and information that the computer gave me in moment, in real time, that I can help that customer learn what they need to learn. That's educated. Yeah. Close no, 100%. Right? Like, in some sense, you are building like real-time coaching for the SDR. And it's like the SDR's I am stuck moment, because I'm coming back full circle, where you basically like kind of nudge the SDR in the right direction. And like, they'll have like a formative experience that not going to forget this in the next call. So I think, yeah, like I think that is where like the opportunity lies, which is like, how do you marry AI into like the workflows we have into just getting us to be like more efficient and like more strategic in the same like similar roles? I want you to riff a little bit more, just give you space. You put some really good examples on here of what are the things that you see are really important, like efficiencies, whatever. What examples could you could you bring to us that were really going to be where AI can help for education? Yeah. So I think in education, you're going to see like basically the two big opportunities, I think, are like one is content creation. And then I think it's like there is... On the delivery side, there is one, how do you augment the instructor to be able to support more students, which is like, how can they answer questions faster? How can they like give feedback? Feedback's like super important in like no matter what we are doing in education, but feedback's was like extremely hard to scale, right? Like you manually have to go through every person's work. But if you look at like, generalization of feedback like what if i gave feedback to five people and the model learned what i was doing and just replicated that so i think feedback's a very rich vein i think supporting students is a very rich vein in like how do you like answer questions how do you like help get them unblocked how do you like figure out what are exact moments and then I think having a tight feedback loop between the two is going to be really powerful. The other area I think I think a lot about when it comes to like customer education is just like the difference in the cost structure, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you like if you think about like we kind of made an overleaning choice on content being the only driver of customer education often as because it was infinitely scalable you wrote a blog post you're like done right like that work could be consumed by thousands of people but that was one side fits all as we move towards this like personalized world there is going to be like a 
if I could do extremely personalized at the same cost, then why would you ever choose one size fits all? And as these systems evolve and as these platforms evolve, like we're going to see a push towards like kind of like rethinking what is standard because the cost is going to change to like, hey, how do I provide, like make sure every customer can be successful? And this could be like targeted targeted content, what they need and like, can I get closer to this like two sigma problem, which is, hey, I can give everybody a personal tutor. But I think there's like, we're going to like bridge towards that, right? Like we're going to bridge towards that by saying we can scale like a classroom, which has like half a, half personalized, half scalable, but still very human and highly engaging. And then like over time, we might like see this evolution towards like hyper-personalized. I think the big challenge with AI today is that it is very easy to make it work in some scenarios, but you have to make it work in all scenarios, right? Yes. And I think, yeah. And I think the other big challenge you have to think about on the AI side as any like customer education leader is like privacy, data security, bias, things like that. And those are like also really important problems to like keep in mind. And like, I thought a lot about like, how do you build systems that are like enterprise grade security? Like, how do you know, like your data is like not being used for anything else beyond providing your own service. And I think there just changes there. I I want to, I know we're not going to have time to go too deep on any of this, but there is one experience that I want to pull through an event I went to last week that actually I think kind of underscores exactly what you're saying in a practical way. So I'm, I'm trying to remember who the person was. You mentioned Josh Burson, Burson before and at uh, Inspire, there was a, oh gosh, I, am so, I feel so bad because I can't remember the guy's name right now. Anyway, there was a gentleman that represented Josh Burson Corporation and was talking about exactly this problem. So they built a language model and large language model and trained it on everything that Josh was in his head and, and then asked questions. As a kind of a test, they ask a question of, you know, just like a random, who is Joseph Stalin? Shouldn't have provided an answer. Did. There was a private model, right? And they go, where did you get that information from? Okay, well, this caused controversy because it wasn't in the model, yet the AI went out and found it and then it called so, the question. I think, yeah. <laughs> so I think what happens with often is like, it's just like how you build and design the system like mm-hmm. matters a ton in like, on like the dimensions you are talking about, which is like, never answer anything that's beyond the scope of like product docs. It's not in there. Why are you why are you trying? <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just like that's a really important challenge. I think it's like that's where I think like privacy, security, bias, like don't like don't answer questions where like you don't need to have an opinion, right? Like that's like if you're representing the product, I want you to control 
the narrative around the product. Yeah, that but that's important too because now we're we're also training on a meta level human intelligence that is this is what you do for me going back to the science thing we had these concepts of training sets mm-hmm. and you not only had a positive training set you also had a negative training mm-hmm. set. and these are like hey you know if, if i was thinking in terms of pandora's algorithm for music search you know i want to see oh gosh i want to have ministry and tiffany and backstreet boys but i don't want to hear anything from wham <laughs> Well, well, like I think bio is very easy, which is like, hey, does this X-ray have like a broken hand or not a broken hand? Yeah. If you just trained on broken hand, the machine would say everything, every X-ray I've seen historically has a broken hand, so every X-ray should have a broken hand. Like, <laughs> let's break your hand for you. No, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's all. You know, it's a linguistic model. It's making sure that we put in limits. When all the AI go rogue, but that's on us because we can yeah. can cater that. In this case, it turned out to be there was a hole, right? In the story that I was telling in the security posture. And that gets me into I spent years as an enterprise security program manager working for a large ISP. And I learned a lot about this. And it's more of like, what do you expose? What can you expose? What information mm-hmm. you gathered? Are you okay at having that information in the first place? What are the the, the legislations or the rules from governance? And the governments around the world, and so now you're playing. You're playing by the same rule set as you are from humans, but you have to get back into building all those guardrails. Yeah, and I think as like someone evaluating AI products, it is important. Like whatever you are evaluating has like the same guardrails built in. Yeah. Right. Like in the expectations around like how will your data be used? Will it be used to like train models for other customers or not, and things like that. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting too, because one of the things that comes up commonly in, in our field, there's a pushback I get from, from leadership sometimes when I go, oh, well, let's just put this out on the, the web or let's ungate our content and let's leave the content out there for the public domain to see, or at least a portion of it. And then we start getting into copyright issues. We start seeing, well, if somebody else's system looks at that and sees it because it's public, they can incorporate that into their data. But now we've got, okay, well, that's mine. There's so many questions, but at the same time, Sarab, I'm starting to feel like the smart folks and lawyers and, and stuff. I mean, we even seen seen OpenAI present in front of Congress and say, "Government regulations on me." Wow, I mean, that's that's a great way to do it. A little weird, but any thoughts around that or other unfounded fears or things that we should be thinking? About? I think the I think the key thing is like it's important to embrace that there's going to be change and i think the other thing is like it's important to like educate ourselves on like what's possible today what might be possible in the future it's impossible to predict everything that's going to be in the future but it's like what is present today and like having near term visibility is like more likely and then i think on policy and everything else like we're figuring it out like it's just like a fast moving field where everybody's learning and evolving and there are clear implications right like around both from like like who has access to what like what can they do with it how can it be used so what technology exists how can it be used all these things need to be like thought through yeah yes they do big time yeah <laughs> yeah but, but okay last question and then we'll we'll lead on out 
I know I am looking for like a go-to resource or a couple of resources, a, a book, I don't know, that I can can use to to give me some more context and learn better. What kind of things are you seeing out there right now? I mean, you've you've come from this space. You've learned a lot more than we ever will. I'm absolutely sure of that. But kind of like in layman's terms, someone who can bootstrap themselves, is there some place you would recommend our, our folks? Yeah, I think so. One is like, I'm happy to be an asset. Yeah, reach <laughs> out to me. Yeah. yeah, but I think the other things would be like, I think the best way to start is to start. Like play around, tinker about, like kind of what you were doing, but like the course that you were trying to Oh, like when I got an open AI and I said, write me a, an outline for a customer education course? Yeah, and I think, so that's like a good starting point. I think there's like, but at the same time, like you just have to like expose yourself and then dive deeper into themes. I think I think you're going to like plug in a course that we run for like people to get educated. That would be like a good asset. The other is I think like people have written really good like blog posts on specific topics. But I think my advice would be like, you don't need to be like a math person or a computer science person to start. Like those are not at all the requirements. The requirements to is to have like a high level understanding of what systems can do today. And then how could they be plugged in to like enable newer things? It is not like kind of like you're more of like an architect rather than the actual person building the door. Like, and I think like having that perspective in mind helps a lot around like what you need to learn and not learn. Because there is enough to not learn as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go to the dark arts and, and really get in trouble because I, I can do that sometimes. Okay, this is a great primer, a great approach to AI. Saurabh, thank, thank you for being here. And, and we'll, I'm sure, talk more. If anybody wants to reach out, you're on LinkedIn, of course. We'll put your contact information in our show notes. Let's take it on home. Any other thing that you want to say with to, to the audience? I think you've given us some good ideas and suggestions that I know I'm going to use. Because no, gonna... thank you so much for having me. It was a super fun conversation, and we'd love to continue this next time. Absolutely. Well, your friend. We'll talk more, guaranteed. So I have continuing questions and a lot of ideas. Yeah. So, all right, for our audience. Hey, you know what? If you want to learn more, what do we have? We have a podcast website. Customer.education is our domain. You can find all these show notes and much more. Of course, our podcast is out there everywhere, including now on YouTube, on Spotify. So go to where you love to be, spend time on it, comment. Hey, you know, I've got some cool things coming with customer education as well. So stay tuned. You can see some more happening in our domain. And please, if you found value in this podcast, we depend on you sharing that opinion and helping us find your peers, your friends, your managers who need to be exposed to these really important ideas. What we're doing here is spending our time, Adam and I and Saurabh and all the others that come onto the show to impart the learning that we're getting and things move so fast. So stay with us, get some others to join us, help us find the others. And on, okay, thank you, you can put on LinkedIn at S-B-A-J-A-J-9 is uh, Saurabh's uh, LinkedIn, so you can reach out there. I'm at Dave Darrington, of course, at Avermeski. If you can say it, you can spell it, as he always says. Thanks to Alan Coda for providing our amazing music. And what we'd really like to do is you, if you can, and you're on a platform, give us a five-star rating. It really helps our algorithms. keeps us relevant. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Get out there. Educate. 
experiment and find your people. Cheers. Cheers.